0: Hey everybody, welcome to the second episode of Podcasts on the Sky. We're an anime podcast that takes a selected piece of anime and another piece of culture, whether it be high or low, and compares and contrasts both their aesthetic styles and the different ways that the cultures interact with each other. This episode, we're doing the 2007 anime Bakano and Brian De Palma's 1987 gangster epic, The Untouchables. Uh, my name is Tom, and the rest of our cast, we're going to introduce each other now.
1: Uh, I'm William. I'm Amber.
0: I'm Dylan.
1: And I am Jesse.
0: All right, so let's get started. Uh, Amber, you had said you had some questions that you wanted to kind of kick off the discussion
1: with. Yes. Uh, basically, my first question, because Pacano, I feel, is like a love letter to uh, the gangster mythology of uh, uh, the United States. And uh, I just wanted to know if anybody else, like, found some serious correlations between the individual... Uh, groups of people and actual gangsters because I I actually started like googling to try to link yeah. different teams together uh, and uh, why why did they choose different groups do you think like why did the writer go for specific uh, types of gangsters of the 20s and 30s uh, you know uh, when they were building this epic like Tail this twisted tail.
0: Okay. um, Well, first off, um, let's just explain for anyone who is coming new. Untouchables is, of course, about the Elliot Ness and his gang of incorruptible policemen, and Elliot Ness is played by Kevin Costner. And Bacanal is this thing set in the thirties about gangsters and alchemists fighting over the elixir, elixir of immortality, but. About that, actually, um, I'd just like to point out that Wakano, um, it began as a novel, a series of novels actually, and the writer was still directly inspired by Untouchables. So that's actually one direct connection between the movie and the anime. And that's also why uh, I suggested doing this episode to begin with, just looking at different connections between Western culture and anime. I was most interested in cases where there's a direct correlation. Uh, again, Christopher was a very obvious one because it was based directly in a novel. But here it was more, he saw a movie and he was then inspired to do a gangster epic because he saw this movie. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, with, these, with both these stories, I mean, you know, The Untouchables uh, <laughs> is kind of this, it, it's like a mythological take on the actual era. You know, it's not Bar, barring the very very broad details, it's a, uh, you know, not a historically accurate depiction of either Elliot Ness or the way in which um, you know the uh, Al Capone was, was captured for tax evasion. And so it's you have this movie, The Untouchables, which is this mythological uh, take, almost one of the most kind of famous or infamous periods of American history. You know all the all the legends associated with it, all the large than life characters. And you have the author, uh, Murita of, of the Bakhno novels, and so he's crafting sort of his own legendary gangster epic based on an American conception of of that era from a legendary perspective. And so you're getting this kind of interesting, interesting chain of of kind of you know folk folk culture and, and you know legends of this era being passed in different cultures. So the portrayal of the gangsters themselves in Bakhno, for me. I mean, yes, it was obviously inspired by gangster movies, but I found it was more like a Yakuza movie. Like, um, the, um, the noble gangsters, like, um, they never show them, like, praying and the anything. Anyway. They're all, like, it- entirely honorable, and they never break their word. They're always, um, the good guys.
1: But I don't think that's necessarily like uh, not how uh, that's pretty much how um, American gangsterism of that time period is kind of portrayed in popular culture uh, on the Western side too, though. Like this, like there's always a code. There's, uh, you know, uh, you know the 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 killers only kill if you um, break that code, that kind of thing, you know.
0: Yeah, actually, I find it kind of interesting in terms of.
1: Because,
0: you know, I'm not a Yakuza movie expert, but in my experience, I think the most most Yakuza movies I've seen, whether they're modern, like, uh, that was the one. Outrage. Yeah, Outrage, or even going back to the, like, that huge series of Yakuza movies, or the uh, Suzuki movies, which are a little more crazy. All the characters speak about codes in honor, but the movies pretty blatantly make it the case that they're basically just scum, they're horrible human beings, and they almost always end in, you know, just just orgies of violence and destruction, you know, and that was sort of interesting to me, because there must be Yukusa movies out there that are a little more, uh, that do kind of play out the the honor aspect, but, um, or even going to some of um, Kurosawa's kind of gangster-adjacent movies, there's... Very, there's much less of the romanticism I found in a lot of Japanese gangster movies than in American movies. Where even even in something like The Godfather or something like that, um, where it's it's not sympathetic to the gangster's point of view. I mean, obviously the you know the ending of The Godfather is kind of this man who's thrown away his soul and all this. But um, but there's a certain romanticism to that period that gets drawn out in I think the American works that I really haven't found in. In Japanese Yakuza movies, there doesn't tend to be quite that sense of romanticism. It tends to be much harder-edged, and I think there's maybe a greater social emphasis on these characters kind of meeting a fitting end for their nefarious activities. And whereas in the, the... There tends to be kind of... That happens in American gangster movies, but it tends to be a little more like a grand tragedy, so there's still that romantic aspect to it. It's not just scummy people being scum and and ending in scummy ways. uh, Yakuza movies almost have a more noirish aspect, where it's like bad people, and by the end of the movie, they're going to get their comeuppance. Yeah, but um, specifically Battles Without Honoring Humanity, Um, I'm going here based exclusively on the extra material I had on the DVD, which I had like a decade ago. But the point that I was making in this extra material, is that the Yakuza films before Battles Without Honored Humanity were mostly samurai with modern clothes. These honorable right, right, men right. who operate right. by their own sets of principles. Reportedly, Kurosawa really disliked these movies, which, again, this is based on a different set of stuff. This is from Akira, is where I get that. And that's why uh, Yakuza, while there's an adjacent elements, He never did a proper Yakuza film, although he did, as people listening to this will know, a number of samurai movies. Battles Without Honor and Humanity was kind of a direct assault on that entire mythology right down Mm. to the actual title, you know, without honor, without humanity. It was exploding, the idea of the Yakuza. It was a very rebellious set of films, very angry, very, you know, new wavy kind of stuff. Um, so the idea of these kind of honorable uh, gangsters who behave in a moral sense aren't completely um, unheard of in Japanese pop culture. Right. However, I think the interesting thing in terms of trying to understand the moral spectrum is, in contrasting this with untouchables, this is a story without an 1000000 We don't really have cops in Bakana. We have different sets of people who are generally on the wrong side of the wall. And they're either kind of nice and perky about it, like Isaac and Miria, or they are really mean pieces of work, or there's somewhere in between. Or they're mean pieces of work in ways that make them really fun. I have the somewhat minority view, the lad Russell is the most entertaining character in the series, but we'll get to that later. So it's, whatever the do they situate them morally, they don't have the obvious good guys anymore with the police.
1: But I think that, okay, okay. Just to, just to throw in, like, actual yeah. gangster culture of, uh, from the time and also the mythology of the Western side, that that totally plays up the uh, typical portrayal of gangsters in general. Like uh, if you look at the '30s and you go through your list of gangsters uh, you, and even n- newspapers of the time, uh, you'll see like these people lauded as the the good the good criminal, you know, like the the guy who uh, robbed the banks and uh, burned uh, the you know, uh, mortgages and stuff. Yeah, they were perceived yeah. as heroes
0: <laughs> rebelling against it, the system of exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: the Great Depression and what. Uh, I the, mean, the yeah. baddies, the baddies killed the, killed women and children in crowds. You know, like Babyface or something like that. But like the goodies, you know, even Al Capone was seen as like, and they did kind of show that in the Untouchables. He he was a an affable guy who was providing a service. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, so. This this idea of it, good and bad is not so much um, whether or not you're breaking the law, it's what laws you're breaking, you know? Uh, are you stealing shit or are you killing people, you know? And if you're killing people, are you killing people who, you know, kind of crossed you and maybe deserve it? Or are you killing, like, uh, babies in... Uh, you know, blowing up babies, basically, you know, like... Yeah, or
0: <laughs> shooting someone who looks like a child in the face.
1: Yes, the exactly, yes. exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, Autoptimalist is actually sort of
0: rare in gangster, at least in modern gangster movies, and that it does actually have a fairly, fairly very straightforward moral universe to mm. basically. I mean, it's... Because, uh, yeah, most gangster movies, like, will often draw direct parallels between the gangster groups and the cops they, uh, like, gangster movies love doing that. I mean, you can go back to uh, even our non-gangster movies, like uh, like M or something, you know, Prince Lang's movie, there's a direct scene where they're directly comparing the cops and the criminals. Um, whereas, yeah, like, the, the, and again, it goes back to the sort of, you know, folklore and mythological aspect. Elliot Ness is like this moral crusader, he's going in there. He's the good guy, his opponent is the bad guy. Yeah, Untouchables touches on a degree of sense of corruption within the police, especially with the way Malone behaves, but they don't really commit to that idea so much. Well, I mean, it sort of plays with a little moral gray area in terms of, you know, Ness throws the guy off the roof at the end, and, you know, he says that, you know, I've uh, I've become what I hated or whatever. But it's like, it's all kind of on the side. Like, broadly speaking, it's Ness. He's still he's enforcing the law, damn it. And uh you know, you wanna see Capone get in the clink at the end, you know. They're they're not wasting time on, you know, is this law just or not? You know, it's it's the law. These are bad dudes and we're gonna check them out.
1: Well, they kinda of make so fun, this, right, of prohibition throughout. I mean, the, yeah. the accountant guy takes a drink in Canada, the Ness himself says he's gonna have a drink when prohibition is uh no longer the law of the land, you know, stuff like that. So it was it was yeah. you know. The prohibition I feel like the,
0: the, issue. the moral arc of the story, in the case of The Intouchables, is dictated for the kind of story it wants to tell. I mean, we can compare it to gangster stuff all over the long day, but the protagonist is not a gangster. It's not right. an Al Capone movie. And they have Robert De Niro himself Al Capone, but he's a supporting player. It is a Kevin yeah. Costner movie. And it is an Elliot Ness movie. Yeah, and so the, the characterization is the, of Component isn't exactly very nuanced. Sorry for interrupting. True. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, it's very if much. your yeah, hero is the cop, besides in Ness, there's a very easy way to say, well, the cop is the hero, and the gangster is the bad guy. If your hero is the gangster, well, you're probably going to have a more morally nuanced thing where maybe the cop isn't great, um, or the enemy is another gangster. You're probably not going to go for a kind of simplistic view where. Well, gangsters are good people and cops are bad people, because that's a, a little more subversive of yeah, a statement yeah. for a movie to make.
1: Would you call... So Untouchables... Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, could continue, continue. Sure, and that right. I'll uh, so basically, Untouchables'
0: moral universe is dictated by the um, narrative needs it has. Mm. Right. The kind of story shapes its morality. Would you call... Are you want to say
1: something? Oh yeah, what, would you call a Bacano necessarily morally complex...
0: I would say so. I think it sort of interrogates the idea of uh, complexities of having a moral code pretty well. I mean, ultimately, Claire Stanfield sort of seems like one of the more heroic characters, which is not something you would necessarily expect. Hmm. Well, mean, that was how I perceived it, at least. I mean, I think those kind of characters are pretty standard in anime. Because, I mean, everyone... Because, I mean, again, it goes back to, like, the like the mythological aspect. Like, what what is cool about the 1920s and 30s. It's gangsters, it's assassins, it's drinking. That stuff's cool. It's hip. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's where sort of the Untouchables gets uh, interesting. Is that they, you know, whatever, whatever we think about the real world in like the cultural sphere, being a cop is like, well, you're the straight laced guy. do you, you know, um, it's it may not be narratively interesting. Being a gangster is cool. You got the cool clothes and cool cars and cool guns. And uh, and I think sort of. um so having a character like Claire, I think, is sort of part and personal with that. Um, you want to have the cool assassin. But I, you don't you don't want it, you don't want it, the baggage that comes with an actual assassin who's probably a terrible human being. I just so, gave you, him so you give him a code. I thought Claire was terrifying and a horrible human being for a lot of the show and they gradually make him sort of into a more Complex True. And but more I think I think the badass portion is there. Oh, yeah. like, he's he's a badass, yeah. but he's not. Okay. He's not just. If you kill people at random, the, the badass quotient would be. Uh, he would turn into a lad who's entertaining, but he's not sympathetic, really. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, but Claire a a a laugh, too, I would just watch a show of I would know, just watch a show of lad To be honest, I just want to get that out again. <laughs> I wonder. a very good character. He's entertaining cool. as hell and also terrifying. I wonder yeah. how much Slab was derived, actually, from The Untouchable, because uh, uh, you have the Frank Nitti character, who's who's sort of the active, I guess, antagonist. Uh, Capone is obviously at the top of the sphere, but he's not down there on the streets, and so uh, for the movie's concerns, it makes Frank Nitti uh sort of the 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 hand of Capone who, who terrorizes uh, our protagonist throughout and then kills, uh, Ken Cosme's two best friends and all this. You know, he's sort of the, the, manifestation of Capone on the streets. And his, his depiction is completely historical. I mean, it's, it's absurd. You know, the, for real, Frank he was, uh, really quite an adept man. He took over after Capone, uh, was jailed, took over the organization, uh, really very street smart and intelligent man. But then in the Untouchables movie, he's sort of this, like, uh, reprehensible snake like, uh, figure who's just just got maybe he blows up a young child in the first scene of the movie, um, just awful. But so he does have, I mean, obviously the most uh, direct connection is they're both wearing white suits, just like Glad does, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they both kind of revel in this this approach to to violence and death. Like it's nothing. And I wonder if he was kind of a direct uh, inspiration in some ways for that character.
1: I assume that the suits was a direct reference. In particular, yeah, yeah, I would
0: think that yeah, probably because you know, I haven't thought about it, but um, his surname Russo is probably meant to imply that he's Italian, so mm-hmm. right, he's part of what because I always was focused on the lad part, which you know is very English sounding, but you have a point right there, lad. Oh, and um, about the Italian thing, um, we don't really make this clear, but like, um, but you know, it's um, part of it is basically a war between the Camorra and the Mafia, right. Yeah, which mm-hmm. the Camorra is from like Naples and the Mafia is from Sicily,
1: so it's kind of about
0: a war between different regions. But yeah, which uh, sort of interesting. I mean, in American gangster movies, really, I mean, the Mafia are really kind of it, I think, in the mainstream imagination. Like, I I think that brought the Camorra with most people. I don't know if it would really resonate.
1: Well, I think that uh, uh, with the rise of the. Uh, kind of Irish mob movies, because, like, that movie about White, Whitey Bulger is coming out, and... Uh, mm, yeah. I think, the, the I think the that Departed system, that
0: the personalization of Whitey Bulger. Yeah,
1: exactly, Departed. I think that it's starting to come, but, like, definitely for a lot of the mid-20th century, I think it was more the Italian mob that was, uh, uh, you know, part of the American consciousness re-mobs, yeah. so... Well, the the early mafia, yeah, they weren't even that
0: Italian. Like, half of them were Jewish, so... And there were also a lot of um, Irish monsters at that time. Yes. Like, historically, because they, in terms of popular consciousness, there's more interest in Irish monsters now. Yes.
1: But there were Irish monsters that... Oh, yeah, well, of course. Irish monsters. There right? were... I mean, the St. Valentine's Massacre was right. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm not yeah. Saying, saying that the probably, uh, I'm not saying that the mobs weren't um, various types of influences. yeah, you're saying cult- yeah, definitely yeah. a yeah. cultural yeah. depiction yeah, yeah. of uh, I,
0: mean, I think um, the, the large larger life characters predominantly and part of this is because they almost marketed themselves in that way yeah, Rome certainly did yeah, he knew how he knew how to sell himself um and that's so Stop. you know the 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 culture, the legend of this period, which is ultimately what we are looking at. Yeah. Again, you know, not looking at a realistic depiction in either of these books of this period. It's, it's the uh, you know Americana mythos, and yeah, you know the 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 mafia really dominates that because to and to make themselves kind of these larger than life figures even within their own lifetimes, and of course it only grew afterwards. And um, even if you look at the Untouchables, it's a case of like a, looking at a xerox of the xerox. It's not based on true events. It's based on a popular TV series from the 1960s. I right. think right. Right. by Brian De Palma, who is, you know, very much interested in film. So it includes something like a baby rolling down a flight of steps. And that's okay. not based on any anecdote in the gangster period. That's right. That's Yeah. It's, 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 right. it's just a, look at me, I can reference classic film. De yeah. yeah. Palma is all about style piece? and flourish. Yeah. yeah. Yes. If you could have thrown in Al Capone saying Rosebud and got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those were his dying words. Like, the baby actually makes sense. Like, how is it fanatically linked to communist stuff? Happen. Well, I felt like the. It, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not in terms of the politics, it's more in the terms of response. Like, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but Sergei Eisenstein has a lot of babies dying in his films. Both in terms of social struggle, but he also has, like, German crusaders burn bay- Russian babies at the stake. He doesn't solely to get an emotional rise out of you to hate the people he wants you to hate. Right, so yeah, Brian De Palma yeah. looks at this language of if you make people kill babies and blow up people, he just puts it into his mood. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah it's not a political babies. thing at all. Yeah, well that's the thing. I mean, both of these, both The Untouchables and Bacano are, because there's, you know, reality reality and there's cinema reality. And in most ways both of these works are kind of responding to the cinematic reality of gangsterism. I mean, there's a whole, at this point, you know, there's there's the mythology of actual gangsters, but then there's a secondary mythology of just film gangsters that's, that has established itself yeah. at this point, and both of these are kind of playing on that. Yeah, well, I'm not going to, it's not to me that concerned about being realistic. Like, um, I mean, even just going by and um, the fashion, like, um, Ennis is wearing a fancy, <laughs> and um, Rachel is, has rock climbing jeans in a zipper jacket. It's <laughs> like um, a Chinese person walking out of a, a mouse seat. Hmm. Oh, and um, some, one of those guys had, actually had a hair gel. So what the heck? Like, <laughs> it's not because they don't care about any of the details, right? Like, there's a lot of research where they went into the um into the anime. Like, um, like even like the alchemy stuff, there's like obscure historical figures they're referencing. And, like, dialogue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, it's like a you seeing that translation I think can not kind of all they're actually referencing that and it was like, wow when I looked at it, it like, they really wanted to do this but it's just that been, they did not it. Yeah, like the main characters which like, I want this to be the best. I'm kind of here
1: Well, I think that yeah. but I mean, both
0: the, the movie The show isn't really good Well,
1: the, the, I feel that both the movie and the uh anime are very like style over substance not in a bad way but like very much like Especially, uh, I would say *Untouchables* more than *Bacano*. Uh, like you get these gorgeous shots, you know, in a movie that doesn't really have. I I felt that it didn't have. Um, there there, the story was kind of not great <laughs> because uh, it felt more like yeah. uh, bullet points of scenes. Uh, Happening, you know what I mean? But, like, they were gorgeously shot. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, the the beautiful overhead shots, the, the whole scene in the train station, you know, was a great bit of tension. And uh, 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 so I feel like. Um, uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, there really isn't any, like, development in The Untouchables. Uh, yeah. I mean, they start
0: the movie to get. Really, the only guess, I guess, the bit of development is, you know, a in the first scene, uh, Elliot Ness does a big raid, and it turns out uh, to be a big failure because yeah. someone on the inside uh, keyed him off, and that kind of makes him reassess himself. But then throughout the movie, it's like we're going to get Capone, and we do things to get Capone. Yeah, that is just, it it's was very straightforward. And uh, yeah, yeah links together these scenes.
1: You know, nope. Yeah, nobody really gets any you Yeah, and nobody know? gets nobody gets any kind of like depth. Uh, really added to them, uh, Ness's only depth is every now and then he gets a scene with his moopy wife, and, uh, let's see, uh, the, the sharpshooter, he, he's an Italian guy! Yep! And, um, yep. Yeah, <laughs> and, know. and by the way, uh, um, like, um, oh, yeah. oh yeah, yep, he's not, oh yeah, he's of, <laughs> but, he, like, you know,
0: he is sort of racist and sort of corrupt,
1: Yes. But He's, he's, but that's, and of course, you've
0: got. To clean his what was
1: the name of the so accountant? I don't. the
0: most Scottish sounding Irish cop. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> and I literally do not remember the name of the accountant. All I remember him as, as nerdy accountant guy who keeps going, hey guys, we can get him on tax fraud. And, you know. Here's
0: my, <laughs> and, my
1: and, you know, and then he dies.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I can't remember most of their names. <laughs> Well, I just touched it, like... Because they are, they're like archetypes.
1: Yeah, they're very they're archetypal. Like
0: the Italian,
1: the nerd, the the cop. Hard- yeah, yes, yes, the like, nerd, the hero, the beat cop who... who. I, think, I
0: think it's a bit of an arc to Ness, though. And I think that he—that there's sort of a, a gradual descent in morality for the sake of getting Capone. Or, oh, yeah, I- like, like it's little, so brushed aside, and then... Oh, so, yeah, it's Yeah, but, really
1: it's, but he goes... from. <laughs> He literally goes from shooting a dude and being all like, you know, ah, and then he throws a man off a building. So it's like,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, 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 the there's, thing there's, there's, is, like, the choice to not kill Nitty and then he kills Nitty anyway is really disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I mean, leading <laughs> him going like up arresting him versus killing him was preferable than just shoving him off a building. <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, it's not. Because like, yeah, like 20, not even that, maybe 10 minutes earlier, you know, the line I referenced earlier, he goes to the judge and he's like, I have become what I hated. <laughs> but then but then he throws the guy safe. off the building and you're like, oh man, this fight took a lot out of him. It was like, it was like man, that nigga was a fucking asshole, let's throw him off the building. <laughs> and, he, and at the end you're <laughs> like, yeah. It, it's literally played, part played for catharsis. <laughs> yeah, it's just part of really a whole tradition of cops. So don't play by the rules. Yeah, yeah if go far, damage chief. They get results. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's dirty Harry. The more or literally, line. the Homer Simpson yelling at the TV chief, yeah. he gets results. Which Jeez. I think, if you can ever yell that at a cop watching something, you know it's a cliche. If you ever yell that Homer yeah. Simpson one, yeah. that's now, my cliche. So, I'm fuzzy face BoJack. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, play by the rules? So, so in other words, Touchables <laughs> kind of draws on a whole tradition of cops, um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, completely alien to Bacano because it has no cops. Yep, 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 yep. But it's an interesting point. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the universe of the untouchables. It's not complicated, right. but, uh, you know, it knows where it wants to be, which is larger than life, mm-hmm. completely ridiculous, good yeah. guys, bad guys, yeah. strong emotions, throwing people off buildings. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if Bacano isn't actually really interested, I mean, I I It uses gangsters because gangsters are iconic, but it doesn't actually really care that much about gangs. Like, it doesn't care about their business, really. It doesn't care about, like, the political, social context in which gangsters exist. Mm -hmm. It uses gangsters because gangsters are cool. And everyone loves gangsters in that <laughs> story. Yeah. Really yeah. has nothing to do with the gangsters being uh-huh. gangsters. The portrayal of the gangsters is largely just they hang out and play cards together. You don't get yeah, that. yeah. They so wear cool clothes and have guns. They have guns. Live by a code of honor. It's
1: whole yeah, family it's ends really up, really you know, immortal by accident, sort of. But that's okay. Woo!
0: <laughs> yeah, much more about the immortals than the Alcor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And really
0: then only just the uh, a. On oh yeah, the it's, crazy yeah, shit on the train. It's a
1: train. Yeah, just
0: a coat of paint. To a story which isn't really about gangsters.
1: Yeah. like a quote of really cool things.
0: The iconography is kind of the point of Akana. Like yeah, there's a story about immortals and alchemy, but that's not as memorable as the fight on the flying pussy book Oh yeah. When yeah. you get down to it, I think that's more interesting than the story. I oh really? Honestly, uh, yeah. I would say okay. my favorite part of the story ultimately was the conflict of Zylar hunting down the other immortals, and I thought that was. Interesting part of the show. Okay, you can say that, but for me, it's all like a collection of cool moments, like Jacuzzi's plot apologizing all the time oh, before you realize he's secretly very dangerous. Yeah. Our lad Russell just grinning, uh, running around, killing everything, having a ball, okay. and, uh, you know. That's what it feels like, I think stuff. it adds up to more than that. I'll
1: okay.
0: I hope right. <laughs> <try>. it <makes laughs> I mean, it's case. definitely, it's a character, I mean, in the, it's the exact opposite of these I mean, it's the impossible. it's a character. It's pure plot. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Good guys, bad guys, conflict, great scenes, etc. Picano is like all characters. Mm, yeah. If you if the characters in this didn't work and exactly. they worked like gangbusters, I would yeah. not give yeah. any. Yeah. I, I would not care about the story at all. The plot is literally chaos. Yep.
1: Yeah. Oh lad, but, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know the characters are so fun to just watch. Okay. It, it sticks them all in a chaotic situation. and You just want them bounce off each other, and it's great. Yeah. The plot is really not that important. But it's, it's, it's just how these characters bounce off each other that makes it a lot of fun. And it embraces the chaos, obviously. Well, so. and so um, the Untouchables versus uh, Bacono, like, um, it's kind of interesting how it's, they're both really mm-hmm. different styles. I mean, Untouchables, they kind of ask the audience to pretend that they don't notice how fictionalized it is, that uh, they're just going along. But Bakano, it's very postmodern in its presentation. I mean, mm-hmm. it's nonlinear. There's a story within a the story. There's a fictional character who's talking about himself as a fictional character. Actually, even the framing device, the, um, the editor of the goes report. You're discussing about who the protagonist is in the story. Yeah, they are character ish. Yeah, yeah. They're like asking um, who's the main character in the story. Like, they make it very obvious that this is a story. Uh, th- this even gets, this is a little sidetracked, this even gets even more confusing because this is made by the studio Brainspace. So this is one of the first anime that really got them attention. <laughs> um, for a couple of years there in the late zero zeros. they were the most popular studio fans because they followed this up with the second season of Spice and Wolf, which mm-hmm. is quite popular. And then they did Dorarara, which was... I but the thing about that is is that Dorarara includes the references to their previous shows. Right. So yeah. it has um, people refer to Bacano as if it's a fictional series. One character uses Bacano as his password. And although it's been now established that Bacano is a fictional thing, it then has Isaac and Miriam show up in a cameo as real people, who are, you yeah. know, as immortals, they're still alive. They're living in the present-day setting of Dorara. Yeah, that's Right. A, because so Bacano like and fiction, Dorara are the same source material. They're, they're both written by the same dude. Right? Yeah, that, that, that as well. But I mean, a- another thing that is not relevant to that author is that Dorara also has a Spice and Wolf poster. That's why I said brain spice. Right, point yeah. taken. The <laughs> point Sorry. is that they escape the narrative um, Peccano to, to another world where Bacano is fictional, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a very weird, weird metafictional yeah. post-twist to Peccano, as it were. It's, it's more of a joke than a, a comment, but it's an amazing joke. Yeah. All I knew was that they had a cameo in Dorara. I wasn't really aware of the specifics of that. Yeah. Rah, 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 rah. Like the only well, thing I, I want to see Dorara I sorry, I still haven't said what the cameo was. see oh, like, It's at the end of the first season of Dorara, just like a one second or two. I mean season. yeah, no, I haven't seen in context. I've never seen Dorara. Yeah, so I only so try I, I not technically spoil it. Although maybe maybe someone else did. <laughs> but, you know. Sorry. That's fine. Well oh. and um so it's also kind of interesting that um that Bakama it's um, it's very it blinds the blinds of supernatural inside the story of the games so they're just telling each other. Like I don't know, it's just like kind of like a Japanese thing that they they have a Japanese point of view that of course the supernatural exists. Like um like the default point of view is like ghosts exist or I don't know, magicians exist or some kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean even yeah, even the characters who are not immortal have uh, larger than life uh, you know capabilities and powers obviously Claire is the most obvious example of that, but, um, the rail uh, tracer, <laughs> um, the characters, but even, uh, yeah, or like, um, uh, obviously Lad is the same way, or, uh, the character in the follow-up episodes, I can't remember his name, George or something, the-, the guy with the ramps. Oh god, oh, I hate that
1: guy. Yeah, yeah was I also the hate worst that
0: part <laughs> the show for me. Congrats. He was. I hated it. He's, he's annoying. He's them trying to do another lad slash Claire, but just not as well. Yeah. It's a case yeah. of we need three more episodes. Here, here's this um, also Ram idea. Yeah. He gives <laughs> a plot, for, uh, plot fill framework for the bonus episodes, but it doesn't really work that well. Exactly. I love everything else in the bonus
1: episode. Yeah. No, I, I, John I, and yeah. Claire. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, oh, and um. I'm sorry. Uh, like, I'm sorry. I wasn't. My thought wasn't no, fully no, formed. She, <laughs> Um, well, I'm just going to say that
0: the dub, um, I really like the work they did in the dub. That um, the English dub, you know, The way they were working with the accents, and they, they liberty decided
1: to make the language really flowing. Who did Lad? Because I thought his work was particularly good.
0: Lad was a. Well, I, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. I could go look that up. I know Lad, Lad was in the DBC dub. He was the pig guy. Uh. I don't know if you ever saw him. <laughs> Uh, hey, yeah, I watched the uh, watch sub, uh, just just. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to uh, see this very American set-in channel through... Uh, Brian Massey. Brian mm-hmm. Massey. I think I've heard of him before. Of him before. I, Thank I, you, I think the no, reason why the, the dub with Bacano is very good is the same reason, say, the Black Lagoon dub is good, or Cowboy Bebop. When something is very American, and Bacano is arguably the most American. No, not arguably. It is the most American of the three anime I just mentioned. Um, It's a much easier cultural frame of reference for the dub so they can get people who sound a lot like how the characters are meant to sound and speak with different cultural accents. Like, if you're dubbing something like Azumanga Dayo, I think they did like a southern accent for Osaka because she's speaking with a very regional accent. They have to figure out a way to translate that to an American context. Mm. I could yeah. be wrong about that, because I haven't listened to the dub, but they yeah. do use a regional accent for it. Yeah, you, know, you don't have to translate English. that for a picano, because you don't have to think, what's the American equivalent to a Chicagoan? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, well, oh, I know what to do. And so I think that's one of the reasons dubs like this work particularly well. Yeah, the accent, and the slang. Yeah, the slang yeah, is exactly. much more...
1: Uh, can carry it over a little bit better. Uh, um, okay.
0: Is remarkably slang-free, especially for a man movie. actually. You think, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you'd think it'd be much more colorful, but it's pretty straightforward. I forgot that man wrote that. Yeah. Man, that it's, it's a, lame. Overrated. It's, a very, it's a very straightforward <laughs> script. There's not a lot of, I mean, Capone gets in all the best lines, pretty much. Um But it's not very, it's a very efficient script.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah but, so it's very, it's it's not efficient. Very that's
1: one. a good way to do it. To name it, yeah. It was it, it there's not there's nothing that really stands out as a line in that movie. Oh uh, uh, yeah, the, come on, the, come, come on. on. They, there's there's, one, way. Way. What, there's wait, one line. What? Wait. What? John
0: Conroy has it, and everyone knows it.
1: No. Uh, what? I was thinking the Chicago way. The Chicago way. way. The Chicago. That's 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 like the line. That's the line from the movie. The Chicago way. I
0: mean, I think. <laughs> I think the most famous line is probably uh, I'll have a drink, but that's apocryphal from actual nest. Right. It might right actually, of I'm course. not sure if it's apocryphal or it's real. The most famous thing. line was the, you know, they put one of ours in the hospital, we'll, we put two of yours in the morgue.
1: Oh, okay. You know? Well, that yeah. uh, that seems, that, that, seems mean, that, that seems like it would be a, a... Okay, so that does sound sort of like something that would stay in the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah,
0: I, I specifically see that line referenced on TV, okay? So I'm just going right to quickly. When I say reference on TV, I do mean Seth MacFarlane's dad, which is not a good uh. indicator of anything, but I did see the trailers for that. They did reference the Sean Connery line. Very well. And there we go. I've now, now included Seth MacFarlane's dads as among the things that they reference on the podcast. Oh, so 38. <laughs> <a TV. laughs> You know, what I was gonna say was having only just seen Untouchables for the first time today, but having an older brother who talked about it incessantly when we were younger. Like I had heard I had heard the I want him dead, I want his family dead, I want to piss on the ashes of his house. i had heard that before. And there was one other line that I can't remember right now, but I remember one that has become like culturally zeitgeisty.
1: Well, I knew I knew that the death oh. of Malone was pretty culturally zeitgeisty because I was watching that and I was like huh. Oh yeah, I I remember like throughout the '90s jokes referencing this scene. Okay, like. Well,
0: that's why I get for being born in 1996. <laughs> I was completely unaware of that. That <laughs> <comes, that's> shocked me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sean Connery's character dying isn't shocking. Like that made sense narratively, but no, I wasn't like aware of that. Being I, famous
1: I, right? I, I admit, I was very shocked that he was still alive enough to have his death scene. Uh, In fact, uh, Mr. T and I were watching it, and uh, we were like, oh, he's dead. And then they turn him over, and he starts coughing, and we both went, no. I was calling it, yeah, the bit where
0: he's talking to death, and he's like slowly dying, and it's so weird, but he's been filled with 30 of rifle bullets already.
1: (laughs) In fact, that, uh, that, I think that um, when we were talking about stuff that's been done again and again and again, that right there felt like the kind of scene that's been done a billion times where you come across the guy who died and he has to tell you the one more thing. I don't think
0: the Untouchables, I don't I, think I, the untouchables did that first. No,
1: of course not, of course not, but like, you know... Fairly common. Yeah, and very hey, common.
0: I want to I want to <laughs> speculate wildly here. You've seen where a guy is peppered full of bullets and is still able to talk a moment later. Does anyone think that's the moment where the author was inspired with the idea of immortal gangsters?
1: Oh! Oh, oh shit! shit. Yeah. That's a good oh,
0: question. Shit. That's yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I did too because well, there was that, that whole amazing. opening scene where dialogue gets forced? Yeah, where they get just like completely destroyed in the shop, and then they all then they you know assemble back together. That that uh, could totally be a of direct reference. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. So why do you think that? Um, because the you said the writer was um, inspired by the Intouchables. Why do you think he went? He cut out the idea of cops versus robbers entirely and just focused on the
0: because Al Capone is the best part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's probably two reasons. A, I think it gives you more narrative leeway. Probably yeah. oh, there's, there's a certain yeah. if if you if you're making a movie about a relatively straight cop, you pretty much have you know, he has to, like, either do case of the week, or you do a fairly straightforward catch-the-bad-guy story. And as far as I'm aware, I mean, you don't see a lot of Japanese, like, culture that engages directly with law enforcement for whatever reason. Like it's, I don't, you know, as far as I'm aware, there isn't the Japanese equivalent of law and order in its million
1: variations. Well,
0: uh, there is actually better settings of live-action TV, because I think Cop shows, but usually last around a year. Then they do another one. Like Japanese CDs, a lot of turnover. Right. I guess I, ju- I guess I meant anime. At least I guess like besides psychopaths, in anime a ability, I mostly think, I think of uh, cops, you know, yeah, psychopaths. Yeah, psychopaths are... Uh,
1: like well, Death Note is. sort of had a thing, but of course that was a totally that was
0: different. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly yeah. just it does give you that. A, it gives you the narrative leeway to do a little more mm. and to have a little more fun with you know the violence and things. And the other part of it is just again. Mm. Cops aren't really iconic. Gangsters are iconic. Cool clothes, cool guns, cool cars, people getting shot. See,
1: sure. I, I, I was wondering if uh, because immortality was such a big uh, theme in the show, of uh, Kano, like, perhaps, I mean, it's not the cops that you remember. It's the, the baddies. They are the immortals. Uh, so, uh, yeah. if you're going to uh make anyone immortal, it would be the ones who are well, currently immortal in our own uh mythology.
0: Uh yeah. Nobody talks about Elliot Elliot Ness except in relevance to Al Capone.
1: Exactly. But will
0: talk about Al Capone without mentioning with Elliot Ness.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's true. I don't know what happened. Oh. Yeah, well he, he became the mayor of Cleveland and then um, there's a serial killer in Cleveland that he couldn't mm-hmm. catch. Uh, so that kinda of hurt him. Yeah. I was where they just his life didn't, his, his life just went downhill after getting Gabon. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean like... nothing says downhill like Mayor Cleveland. <laughs> 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 yes. Apologies to Denny Cleveland. <laughs> I've, I've never been, I just wanted to make a cheap shot. Yeah. I mean, he didn't end in complete ruination or anything, but yeah, he, you know, his moment in this sun is kinda of over. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, I guess also the immortality thing, I mean, it put and interesting obviously twists on the gangster's life which tend to be well I mean obviously in the popular conception anyway they tend to be short and you know very uh dramatic and now we have these men who obviously they can keep living that way forever if mm-hmm. they so please. Mm-hmm. Well that one guy didn't at that point that since he was the main character then obviously he was a mortal. and um he was right I mean In his story, it's a monster story. He's the monster in that urban legend. Mm -hmm. And in urban legends, no one ever catches the guy with a hook for a hand. And he's right, no one ever did catch him. And he was never punished. He even got the girl of his dream. Oh, (laughs) oh, him, right. Yeah. I was unsure who you meant specifically. I just didn't want to spoil anyone. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. This is a spoiler-heavy zone, so... Good yes. Yeah, I think in the future, we should we should yeah, assume, just, and our listeners should assume, if we're deciding to talk about a um, given series, like Kano, we will spoil everything about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I realize I... Try was, to avoid spoiling other things. So apologies to those of you yeah, who have... I have yeah, I
1: think that...
0: I don't know, really, <laughs> 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 yeah, like seconds, but, but I was pretty much on the spoilers for Bakuna. And I apologize for that, if I shouldn't have done that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I feel We're like
1: Fuckin' Up no. is, is totally on the table for spoilers, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I
0: absolutely. just, I didn't, I didn't even consider that it would have Yeah. No, it no. definitely was. I mean, definitely. I you know, spoken assumptions.
1: Yeah. Spoilers. Spoiler happy. I mean, like, we spoiled all of the Untouchables, too, for anybody who hasn't seen that older but, movie. But you can't... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I guess... Okay, Spoilers. spoiling the Untouchables is sort of like spoiling, you know, Titanic, you know? It
0: <laughs> <So. laughs> um, <that wasn't> <laughs> okay, kind of does look like people know that the like, Titanic ah, sits, that's also a historical fact, but the fictional elements, you know, like, I think there are probably people who might not know how that movie ends, which is why I'm not going to spell it out, because okay. everyone who has seen it knows the movie. That. I'm pretty sure nobody know knows how the end of so. Titanic. goes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in everyone in my generation probably knows yeah, that. Yeah, we and,
1: we, since, we know,
0: we know. If you're 14, you're listening to this, you may have never seen Titanic, that's well, no interest. I, I mean, I, I'm 19, and everyone in my generation knows that. So okay. I know. Yeah. That's close enough to 14. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not like passively venting my sense that The Matrix has completely disappeared because a cultural touchstone. The, the Matrix disappeared because the sequels are terrible. I mean, that's as simple as it was, that you yeah. It was different than yeah. The Matrix because Reload and Revolution. All right, do you think?
1: Get <laughs> away! Okay. Going, okay. So how can uh, how does The Matrix do you think uh, relate to uh, <laughs> <laughs> Al Capone's fight against? Very
0: very close. There you
1: go. Very stylish. Very
0: stylish. Very
1: stylish. <laughs> the style's always there. Style over substance, guys. If you're going to kill people, at least look good doing it.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I think could be easily the message of Picano uh, at that point. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Although, I uh, would say like, that... Uh,
0: for example, Vlad Russo, I know I keep talking about him, but as has been said, he's not a sympathetic character, but he is a really cool character. I'm sets the apart from the characters who are more portrayed as villains. He's, uh, so there's a kind of a line between the people who are more or less moral in terms of the crimes they do. But there's also the people like Ladd, Russell who do a lot of crimes, but are just so cool.
1: Oh, good Lord. I mean, like, he even found and a woman. Anyway. I mean, I, I, I know yeah. it sounds kind of stupid, but I found it mm-hmm. heavily romantic that he found a woman who just yeah. got him, you know?
0: <laughs> you know oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs>
1: sacrifice. Yeah. Her,
0: which, God, have one coming. God, Hello?
1: he's such a tease, too. I'm going to kill you today. Really? Well, no. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Land, Yeah, on the sliding scalability in Bakano, Lad's somewhere in the middle, and Zylard is at the far end. Yes. yeah. God, yeah. he's, yeah, he's yeah. horrified. He's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the other, which is why he was also one of the best characters for me personally. I loved uh, Zylard. I thought he was very. <laughs> the scene, the
1: first scene, the, the very. I'm
0: sorry, the very first time you see Zylard devour someone is amazing. That was the moment where I started
1: to like Bach and Out, really. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, frankly, I felt yeah. that all of the character. I loved every character. There was not a character in this that I could say that I wasn't, met, uh, that I was met about at all. Every character I loved in a different way. I
0: wouldn't way. say that, but I did ultimately love most of them by the end. It took me a while but some of them, though. Especially, like, Chesla and Chani, they don't do a lot with until the second half of the
1: show. Yeah, Ch- uh, I agree. Like, they, they, at first, I was kind of like, eh, and then slowly you're like, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I... <laughs> I did not expect to care about Chesla as much as I did by the end. But, sorry, sorry. Kind of diverting again. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, well, no, it's a good point, though. So like we said, it's like... You care about and love all these characters. Yeah. I'm not sure well, this yeah. is a fun movie, but I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's, it's like it's the, the complete opposite of diverting. You know, if we're talking about the Kano, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's the whole topic. Mhm. So, yeah. When they, um, they meant make, like, um, like, those guys he designed was like, like, um, he wanted the, um, the formula, right? Yeah. I all these old guys to remember Like I guess he was- they, they were his assistants. I was, was my I did my thoughts far. Well I thought it, I thought it was just you. like his cult of, of guys that with yeah. him. I I thought it yeah. was his henchmen like. slash assistants slash. I don't I think they're mean, even henchmen they were just like, you know, over the over the generations he had gathered together some semi influential dudes who wanted to share this, uh, this weird dream with him and uh I guess they got on board. To, they came off like henchmen to me, and, oh. and also you know Xylar just <laughs> the fake bed, so he has the one thing that um I just realized I'm about mm-hmm. to know. It's implying that um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt wanted the be uh, Oh yeah, the yeah. senator. Right. Yeah. They're researching, like, how it's with Dallas. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> that I wish he wanted to kill the story or whatever. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about the senator plot line. It kind of disappears scares me but, the off the show. The senator's a very small part of the show, ultimately. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I... It, helps, it, it doesn't help that he shoved in the middle of the flying pussy. will put Pussyfoot plotline which is the most dense, has the most characters. Yeah. yeah. It's complicated for gameplay. is because as everyone shoved into it. It's also possibly the best part. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad someone agrees with me there. Yeah. I feel like flying Pussyfoot, not only is it about gangsters, it's like everything about a certain generation of Western action yeah. film into mm-hmm. yeah. one bit. Yeah. the one thing... That's Americana on a train. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, yeah. Specifically, trains themselves are a huge part of right. Americana, both in terms of, like, building the country, going west, but also, more relevant to Pussyfoot, Hitchcock films. Yes. And the incredible oh, yeah. films that we associate with Hitchcock films, more where people do stuff on trains. Yeah. Do you have a train, you can have people from every um, element of life in an area and then really conspiring against each other and they're trapped in this small place. Yeah. Hitchcock was obsessed with them, and uh, Flying Pussyfoot like, plays with everything, right down to the, this character looks completely innocuous, but they're not. Yeah. Which is like um, that's like the lady vanishes Hitchcock stuff, really. Yeah. But with anime action, which Hitchcock did not do. <laughs> you don't <think>. say. <laughs> what, <a shame>. yeah. <laughs> what a shame. If <laughs> what only. <laughs> yeah.
1: I imagine Hitchcock would have loved anime, guys. Let's see it now.
0: I don't know. Some anime. Some anime.
1: Some anime. Well, look, everyone's
0: not so anime.
1: Yeah, you're looking at them. (laughs) All of us, (laughs) really. Yeah, the fight on the train, I feel like, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was, which fight on the train? Yes. Oh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. There's know. a dozen fights. There's a dozen fights on the train. I'm specifically talking about outside the train, because that, oh. that oh, is... Oh, on top of the train. Oh, yeah, that is, yeah. like,
0: classic. Donnie. Yes. donnie <laughs> slash Claire <laughs> slash... Yes, <laughs> yes. Slash, <laughs> slash Jacuzzi and the Blames guy. Yes. of which is amazing.
1: Yes. yes, all of which is amazing. Great God, that's timing. A, that's,
0: this is a complicated show. <laughs> this is... It <laughs> is... <this>, it, it, <laughs> it is... It is... Five funny. different characters on the top of the train fighting. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> classic,
0: classic.
1: I didn't even think about
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they all, you know, they all... And they're all different genres, like you said. I mean, obviously, Rail Tracer is like... Mm-hmm. Rail Tracer <laughs> uh, you know, we're on this confined space of this unstoppable, unknowable creature coming to kill all of us. And it's like this horror would be in the middle of a giant gang war. I kind of like how um, Isaac and Mirror basically have their own big um, screenboard comedy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. Mira are, are like, I know the whole, like, part of the point of the show is that they're saying it's ensemble, there is no main character. They say that repeatedly. But I think Isaac and Miri are arguably the closest to the protagonist. They're sort of yeah, like yeah. The, the chorus. I mean, oh, yeah, like, else like I feel like they're less the main characters and more the mascots of the show. Ah. Uh, you know? was like Greek chorus or. I mean, they're sort of like the conscience of the show, too. The
1: stupid, stupid I mean, yeah, conscience.
0: <laughs> Basically, every character stuff. would have yeah. ended more poorly by not meeting Yeah. They interact That's with cool. every, every single one. one. It's yeah. so literally an episode called Isaac and Beers, spread Happiness, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, if, they, if they hadn't uh, appeared at all the sections of the plot where they do, it would have taken a turn for the, for the ugly.
1: That is true. They're, they are the uh, <laughs> catalyst for things going well. I guess you could say
0: yeah. <laughs> they're kind of the manifestation of the show's uh, love of chaos. Yeah, yes, optimism, uh,
1: yeah. optimism. optimistic really right. chaos. I
0: mean, it's a very, very earnest, optimistic show about anarchy, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, because I
1: mean,
0: if you remove them, the tone would be so different. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely. A, it's an extremely violent show. <laughs> like, you know, have <laughs> a little kid gets his head off. a lot of genuine and horror, yet too. it's extremely fun. Like you know. It's, it's a joyous show about ultraviolence. Yes. Uh, yeah, with the when the music the theme music kicks in during the end montage in the last bonus episode, I was actually in tears. Oh and um, speaking of ensemble, um uh, apparently the writer was um very much a fan kind of Smash. And the based on the yeah. of Smash. Right. Yeah. I like it about
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could see, I could see where uh, that. I
0: love the way the credits includes Claire without him being credited. I like that. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's oh, And yeah.
1: right.
0: also, you know, the whole sorry. way. Um, sorry, Amber.
1: No, 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 including. I was so agreeing. It's with, in yeah, in I didn't even notice.
0: Such a way it. That it looks
1: like he's sober.
0: Right. Yeah. Really sober. Because you thought the crazy conductor guy coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that. Sorry. What were you saying, Amber?
1: Oh no no no! I was agreeing with you because I didn't even notice that. Uh
0: Ah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> That's what that's what happens when you watch like the entire show in like a week hour, <laughs> <you call> it.
1: <laughs> I imagine that you're just thinking in Bacano terms at the moment.
0: Sorry. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah, I watch I watched like four episodes on Friday. I watched the finale earlier today. It moves really fast. Uh-huh. So you're Yeah. Oh, I yeah, just wanted to watch the next
1: one well, I remember the first the first time I watched it uh, the first two episodes, I was really like struggling, you know, and mm-hmm. then somewhere along the third, it all clicks into place, you know and
0: uh, for me, it was the cliffhanger ending at the end of episode two when you think the the red-haired conductor, the young red haired conductor who is totally an innocent the person, mm-hmm. you think he's going to be killed by the crazy guy. That's And also, all this crazy shit is also happening on the train. It's a great cliffhanger ending. That's kind of what sold me on the show. Yeah, I agree with that. For, for me, it was a lot simpler. Like, at the time um, when the show came out, a little after that is when I saw it, I largely made a choice of what to watch based on the opening. Yeah. And I'd watch a bunch of opening sequences, in and they and if I liked it, it would kind of go on a list, and then I'd read reviews and stuff. And so I saw this one in Meccano, and this jazzy soundtrack, and this camera swinging around with all these characters, and Miria in a baseball costume gleefully hitting someone with a bat. I was like, "What is this madness? And where can I get it?" And that was it. Amazing. I, I was I love the show right from that moment, Really, The opening credits are fantastic, but the first episode is, like, very alienating, where, like, the frame device is the only thing keeping you, like, tethered to it, because it's, like, shows you half of the endings of the storylines, and
1: hmm. most sorts, yeah. oh, without so, any yeah. context,
0: it's just nonsensical. If you watch the sub, they they emphasize names in the sub, very strangely. Yeah, it's like, Parang Parang. Per- per- <laughs> yeah, it, they, there's like a pause before they say the name and they emphasize it very strongly. It's a little I, distracting. I have a friend yeah. who's right now watching Gankutsuo so he can listen to our first episode. Yeah. And he likes it, by the way. He likes the animation. I will tell him he's wrong. I'll tell you guys well. tell him that we all disagree with him. Right? <laughs> well, he'll know that once he listens to the episode. He'll <laughs> be very impressed. Uh, um, a retired unpaid reviewer for an anime website like the Animation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he will. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I was yeah. My my thought was like I've tried to get him into watching Bakano before I'd even seen. i said like I thought it was a prequel to Doraemon. I thought they were a lot more more explicitly connected before I actually saw Bacano. So I was trying to get him to watch Bakano. But anyway, so. With trying to get him to watch Vox now, now, I think I might tell him to start with the second episode and then watch the first one after you get to the season finale. Like honestly, the first episode's really alienating as the first episode of the show for you see. It was a little weird.
1: It, but, I I would say I, I would agree that it was it weird. Has no meaning.
0: Yeah, you're just watching out that I would agree. Well, it, that it establishes important stuff about, like...
1: Yeah, the mortality you know, is kind of established
0: so. right yeah, there. The, if the framing device was a bigger part of the show, maybe I would see it as more valuable, but I don't know. You're right. You probably end up being confused going forward with the photo, because the framing device establishes that you're mm-hmm. going to be getting this in a real mixed-up timeline. Mm-hmm. He's also told me he's seen the first couple episodes before. Like, he watched them and stopped because he didn't like it. Well, anyway, we're
1: getting subject talking about your friend, <laughs> right, <I> <laughs> Well, uh your friend That's isn't nice. the only person I have uh well, I tried to make Mr. T watch it and I have a friend on one of my workshops who uh is a big anime fan and couldn't watch it or not couldn't, but you know, he stopped watching it as well after like the second episode because he just couldn't. Uh and I I have tried to convince both that like no, seriously, like it start you start to you just it's like Reading Shakespeare, I guess, and then slowly getting into the rhythm, you know, and... I guess, yeah. ...eventually, like, you know... also, think like, right, uh, you know.
0: like, maybe start the flashback episode.
1: That's oh, well, finally, yeah, I guess um, maybe... That's, that's actually yeah, not a bad two idea. Of the, um,
0: two of the reviewers on the site I just mentioned, um, which, at the time, I knew quite well, and were generally better reviewers and more informed than I am. Neither of them, like... We're not, no, we're much you are. you are. No, I... Yeah, no, really. I don't believe like that. Like, i trust trust on that.
1: Um, anyway, they didn't
0: like uh, Picano that much. They felt it was a little insubstantial. And the interesting thing is that they normally disagreed on a lot of things. Like, one of them would tend to uh, like stuff a huge, huge Calvary Depot fan, for example. But there was a feeling that Picano didn't amount to anything more than cool violence. That was their feeling, not yeah. mine. So, so there's a, a notable dissent, yeah. half-remembered from a discussion from about six years ago, or eight years ago, however long ago, was, it was a long time. Yeah. I mean, I, think, I don't think it's completely off-base, necessarily. I mean, both Bacano and The Untouchables are, they are. they're style, they're fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would thoroughly enjoy them, but I, I don't necessarily think either of them amount to a whole lot, ish, but that they don't I need like, to be mm-hmm. enjoyable. I wouldn't agree with that, but... I can see how someone would feel that way about Machino. I was, for a while, definitely worth free whether it's just violence and style. and There is a lot of thematic depth there, but I think there's a depth there's character depth. I do think right. A lot I of mean, a character depth. Good characters yeah. and has a heart. That doesn't mean it's deep, but it doesn't, again, it, it, it's, 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 yeah, it's not deep. It makes you care for these Yeah, it's a good story.
1: Well, I do feel like the That's the, more than the untouchable path. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like, again, it's I feel like, for instance, the whole structure of the Kano is uh, absolutely essential to its uh, uh, consumption. You know, I mean, you you got to watch it, which is why I'm not so keen on the idea of watching it like the first, the second episode first or the the flashback, because uh, part of the whole part of the whole story is slowly figuring out how these stories intersect and why they intersect when they do and why we're being told this story right here, right now, as opposed to in a different timeline, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, the uh, Pulp yeah, I think fiction, it's, the aspect of it, the Pulp Fiction and yes. structure is very valuable and important to it, but if 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 someone, if that doesn't work for someone, I'm just trying to work around it. It's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I think you got it. It's 24 minutes, you can do it, like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, this is a person who has a much higher in- intensity of, like, tolerance for things than I do, so... Huh. They should be able to watch the whole thing. And yeah, criticizing it—it's basically the same criticism as pulp fiction. But um, well, it's non linear, so, like, um, so it's confusing. It is very violent, and uh, yeah. So I guess if you like Pop fiction, you might end up liking that.
1: Actually, that it would be also a really good.
0: It um, pop culture references, which feel a little out of place. Although, what I'm specifically thinking of is when Isaac references General Yoshitune which is the only explicitly Japanese reference in the series, and it comes from the character least likely to know anything about Japan. That's true. Yeah, I, I did true. like... Yeah, there's the occasional vague if Isaac was more, like, acknowledged and intelligent than he comes off as. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed them with him and Miriam. Apparently there's more of that in the novels. They suggest that they're more intelligent people than they come off as. Yeah, but actually ah. Isaac was going on about the region and stuff... Oh, yeah, yeah. Also there. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, but he was actually just... He was completely confused about it. Like yeah, he, he says Billy the Kid is the protagonist, but the fact that he knows a romance of the Three Kingdoms is kind of. Well, it's like, yeah, I think
1: that's just a joke. Are they. Okay. I, I just assumed they were kind of like idiot savants, oh, kind yeah, of, you completely.
0: know? No, I think, like, Isaac knowing Romance of the Three Kingdoms is like uh, kind of a wink. It's an acknowledgement that this is something that's a common base of knowledge for the audience, but wouldn't be for the characters. It's uh. yeah, kind of a metafictional leaning, I guess. Don't so like, if you were watching a Western thing about samurai, and the samurai start talking about Berlin.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, gotcha. Although, no, no, never mind. Ugh, man, I feel really uncultured. I don't think I've ever... I, I've never actually read or experienced anything involving Romance of the Three Kingdoms at all.
0: Like, neither have I, yeah. I don't think most people in the West really. Yeah. Well, I said my only familiarity with it. Is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally <laughs> I only yeah. only I, know it. I did read I did read Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And what I did was really simple. I went to www.threekingdoms.com where there was the entire translation of the thing available for download. Sweet. It probably yeah. still is there. But this is like before e-readers, so I was reading it on my computer, which I carried around with me everywhere from PDFs and stuff. I still remember where I was when I read that, that a major character died, whose name I won't spoil here. It's a fantastic book. Oh, yeah. but, but it's yeah. a fantastic book, which has such a huge cast of characters, you hmm. pretty much have every single name. Like, the list 10 books. In fact, you to know who they are a few minutes later.
1: Hey, I, I can. Uh...
0: I, I realize I'll probably be about
1: Yeah, but, like, if I can follow Game of Thrones, I can follow
0: Romance of the Game yeah. of Thrones okay. is it's a child's play. It's oh, really? Famous. With all due respects to George Martin he does not have as many characters as all kinds of
1: Oh, wow. I'm you intrigued. Know? It's on my master book list of Doom, so someday I'll tackle okay. it. But, yeah.
0: But, uh... I, I do recommend getting a free or e-reader version because getting a non-e-reader version would require you to, you know, look around a small house. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I can barely carry my co- my hardcover of Dance of Dragons. I don't want to carry around Romance of
1: the Three, three Kingdoms. <laughs>
0: I specifically make sure to get the e-reader, and the e-book version of that because I remember how huge those are. The, the thing with like long e-books is kind of sorry. This is completely tangential, but long <laughs> e-readers are intimidating for me because I've had I've had Krauss in Search of Lost Proust, whatever, in Search of Lost Time on my Kindle for the last like five years, <laughs> and I never started just because it's so long. I don't want to look at a screen for that long. Does it like conversely, Ficano is old series and the books are short. Same thing. Same thing. That's not entirely yeah. good. Is, so,
1: is Bacano uh, available I'll in English?
0: I think we could probably. It's, it's about time to wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. And we're, and we're, okay, so oh, we, we should tease okay. uh, we we next week's episode. Who wants yeah. to do that? Or should you I should do that?
1: Do some less stuff. You, like,
0: hey, you, you stuff. know what I mean. Do the next episode. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Right. right. Okay. So, well, first we should we should have some
1: conclusions. Yes. Some conclusions. conclusions. Final, okay, thoughts, yeah. final thoughts. Final yeah. thoughts. Final thoughts. Someone, someone, give me a final thought. Uh... Bacano. Uh, <laughs> it was Tano cool. Bacano and the <laughs> Touchables are both highly
0: mythologized takes. Sorry, I'm losing. What? No, you're nope. polite. Keep, keep, keep going. Keep going. I'll say something, and then someone else can say something, and we can use the best one. Okay, good. Uh, Bacano and, uh, The Untouchables are highly mythologized takes on an iconic period in American history, The Age of the Guester. They are both adaptions of already fictionalized versions. The Untouchables is based on a TV series, Bacano is based on a novel series. They're related to each other because the author of the Bacano novel saw the Untouchable movie and used that as an inspiration to add a new twist to his story. Both of them are, while they engage stuff, not as gangster as many other pieces of media. The Untouchables is, has its protagonist as a cop trying to catch a gangster, and the Picano Pe- uses the idea of gangsters to explore its concept of warring the mortal. It's not very interested in gangsters in terms of business, just in terms of the cool ass of it. So the violence. They're both the Untouchables and Picano are ultimately interested in mining the period and its music, and its style, for creating a sense of cool, and the substance that they have, the substance of both works, is actually quite different. All right. Okay, someone do something better now. <laughs> well, I can't top that. Sounds
1: <laughs> well, about
0: me. Yep,
1: yeah, that sounds like a good final thought to me,
0: So. <laughs> Mine would be much more subjective. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. maybe, so, I'd be so much more I'm along the lines of like... Office it was neat I really liked them both oh wait no no wait I liked Bacano I was not so keen on Untouchables actually uh, I feel like I think
0: I'm, I would also go for Bacano I will, yeah I, Untouchables is okay but I think there are better movies
1: yeah agreed with really cool. fine but derivative, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, derivative.
1: <laughs> yes yes there we go Bacano
0: is derivative in a way that's really
1: fun yes yeah, agreed exactly. well I feel like Bacano was also more aware of its derivatility if you will like derivative <laughs>
0: I don't think that's the word. No, uh, uh, it's not. Anxiety, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's, they're both aware, but Vicano. I don't know about that, 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 that. you are, are also aware. Like <laughs> I, the I the don't know. obviously right. all knows.
1: All right. all well, right. okay. No.
0: Obviously knows he's ripping, he's ripping off Al's term No. Oh, yeah, well, not necessarily yeah. acting like his audience
1: But is. no, he's doing, an, yeah. he's doing an homage, but it's not. It's a way more yeah. self-serious homage than anything Vicano is. Doing. I mean, when yeah. Piccano is representing... yeah, yeah. self yeah,
0: no, yeah. serious and empty minded. So, like, yeah. So, self serious. Unsentinels I isn't even mean, that serious, though. It's pretty silly, actually. I mean, it has serious it, moments. It's not, it doesn't it seem like awesome a joke. A, but that, it's, it's, it's an, an adventure movie. Very serious, like, I, I would disagree with that. I think it's an adventure movie, basically. I think. Good guys, well, bad guys. So I mean, yeah you know, like, I mean, Star Wars, I'm thinking, you know, the ultimate mythological modern American work. I mean, you still feel for when Obi Wan dies. You still feel when, when, uh, you know, the 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 two characters whose names like, I can't even remember die. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, alone and, and a movie, a movie can still have emotional beats and not be serious. And I think that's what Untouchables is. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, a, it's yeah. an adventure romp in an exaggerated version adventure. of the nineteen twenties and thirties and how we kind of envision it, but. I don't like think it's a Too generous thing. to Untouchables. Uh, uh, I mean,
1: yeah, so I, I agree. I feel serious. that's a little bit generous. I do as well. no, no, I, I, I agree. agree.
0: The condo yeah. is just a lot of funnier. Yes. That makes it feel like it's the less yeah. serious of the two. Yeah. But I don't think that's. A, a much doesn't have someone stealing a museum door so people can't get get into it. Yeah, no, right. I mean, they're that. different works. You know. No, they're not. They're different works. Yeah, so yeah. They're trying to be funny. You it's not like. We need some wacky Isaac and Miriam characters. There's no interest in that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's an adventure story. Yeah. That's true, basically. Right. All right, so uh, next month, we're going to take a very different direction and watch the anime Otome adaptation, Diabolic Lovers, and read or watch one of the two versions of Stephanie Meyer's best-selling romance novel, Twilight. And we're going to see where the discussion leads us. Hope you tune in. So, basically, sex and vampires. Enjoy.